A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. The apostles and the brothers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles too had accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers confronted him saying, you entered the house of an uncircumcised people and ate with them. Peter began and explained it to them step by step saying, I was at prayer in the city of Joppa when in a trance I had a vision, something resembling a large sheet coming down, lowered from the sky by its four corners, and it came to me. Looking intently into it, I observed and saw the four-legged animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. I also heard a voice say to me, Get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. But I said, Certainly not, sir, because nothing profaned or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time a voice from heaven answered, What God has made clean you are not to call profane. This happened three times, and then everything was drawn up again into the sky. Just then, three men appeared at the house where we were, who had been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to accompany them without discriminating. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He related to us how he had seen the angel standing in the house, saying, Send one to Joppa and summon Simon, who is called Peter, who will speak words to you, by which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the words of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift he gave to us, when we came to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to be able to hinder God? When they heard this, they stopped objecting and glorified God, saying, God has then granted life-giving repentance to the Gentiles too.
Exio Sancti Evangelii Secundum, Ioana. Jesus said, Amen, Amen, I say to you, whoever does not enter a sheepfold through the gates, but climbs over elsewhere, is a thief and a robber. But whoever enters the, through the gates is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice, as he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has driven out all his own, he walks ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they recognize his voice. But they will not follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they do not recognize the voice of strangers. Although Jesus used this figure of speech, they did not realize that he was what he was trying to tell them. So Jesus said again, Amen, amen, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal and slaughter and destroy. I came so that they might have, might have life and have it more abundantly. Verbum Domini. The book of Acts is truly an impressive and inspiring book. It's especially edifying to read through Acts during this season of Easter as we reflect upon the work of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and the early Christians following the resurrection and ascension of our Lord. Recall the instructions of Jesus to his disciples before ascending into heaven how they would receive the Holy Spirit and then be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. Apparently at the time that Jesus uttered these words, the apostles who were Jews had not anticipated that they would be proclaiming the gospel to the Gentiles as well. It doesn't seem like this crossed their minds at the time. And then in Acts chapter 10, Peter slips into a trance and has the vision that he describes in today's reading of a large sheet being lowered containing all sorts of animals, including those that would be considered unclean according to Jewish dietary laws. God had granted this vision to Peter, not so much for dietary reasons, but so that Peter would come to understand that the gospel should also be preached to the Gentiles. God was preparing him for that mission. He could now enter under the roof of a centurion, a Gentile named Cornelius, without risk of becoming ritually unclean. Hence, we begin with the next section of the book of Acts, in which the gospel, 
having been proclaimed in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, is now going to be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And this section brings with it a whole new set of challenges for the church as well. The Jewish Christians begin to grapple with the notion that the Gentiles, those foreign to the nation of Israel, will now be made members of the one church. The Jews are still accustomed to following the Mosaic law, along with all of its purity and dietary laws, and also the circumcision requirement. And when this becomes an issue, it becomes a point of contention between the Jewish and Gentile Christians, the apostles decide to take counsel with each other at Jerusalem to determine whether, whether or not the Gentiles were required to follow the entire Mosaic law. And it's decided at that council that the Gentiles are not bound to the law and do not need to be circumcised. The only things that are required of the Gentiles by the Council of Jerusalem was that they were to abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. And these requirements were primarily concessions to the Jewish Christians in order to avoid scandal while in their company. But this ancient council in Jerusalem set an important precedent for future councils in the church that would later become known as ecumenical councils. The word ecumenical comes from the Greek word meaning the whole world or the inhabited world. And the last ecumenical council, the Second Vatican Council, had a number of objectives. And one of them is stated in the document entitled Nostra Etate, which examines the church, the relation of the church to non-Christian religions. The objective is to promote unity and love among men by declaring those things that all people have in common regardless of their religion, and also those things that the church holds in common with other religions. Now the intention was not to promote syncretism or to make it seem like all religions are basically the same, but rather to find those common elements that we all hold in common and draw all religions closer to unity towards the fullness of the truth. In the early church, the work of ecumenism was between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, in our day, the work of ecumenism is between the Catholic Church and all other religions and peoples of the earth. And in laying out this document, the church at the Second Vatican Council has done a great service to all of us by encouraging us to form friendships and create fellowship with those who belong to other faiths. The church looks into these religions for those elements of truth that, quote, reflect a ray of that truth which enlightens all men. And in carrying out the work of ecumenism, the church does not set aside the mission of evangelization. 
And the document's very clear on this. Rather, Nostra Aetate teaches, quote, indeed, the church proclaims and ever must proclaim Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, in whom men may find the fullness of religious life, in whom God has reconciled all things to himself. And so we are encouraged by the Second Vatican Council to recognize that all people have God as their father and to treat others in a brotherly way. We should not be afraid to make friends with those of other religions so that we might enter into a fruitful dialogue with them, confident in the truth of our Catholic faith and being firmly rooted in our own faith. And we show respect for our non-Christian friends by getting to know something about their religion and recognizing what is good in it. Similar to how St. Paul saw all of the gods of the pagans that the pagans had worshiped, he saw all these different statues that were dedicated to different gods, and he didn't call them idolaters. He said that they were quite a religious people and that he saw an altar to an unknown God and he was going to proclaim to them what was previously unknown. So in closing, the Second Vatican Council issues this challenge to us. The Sacred Synod ardently implores the Christian faithful to maintain good fellowship among the nations and if possible, to live for their part in peace with all men so that they may truly be sons of the Father who is in heaven.